Welcome to The Peel, where we break through the surface of sustainability in Florida and get to the juicy stuff at the center of it all. I'm your host and main squeeze, Amber Whittle, Executive Director of South Bay Sarasota at the Florida House. We're a nonprofit that is increasing the resilience, affordability, and health of Florida's buildings and communities, and we're saving the planet along the way. Check out our programs and events at southface.org Sarasota and schedule your tour of the Florida House Green Demonstration Home and Gardens today. Our guest today is Katie Southworth, South Face Advocacy Program Director. Welcome, Katie. Hi. Thanks for joining us again on The Peel. Last episode, we spoke about the energy landscape in Florida and how it's unique. Today, we're going to dig in deeper on a single issue, utility planning. So Katie, what's the basic definition of utility planning and why is it important to residents? Oh boy, okay, I'm really glad to talk about this today. So there are a number of different ways of planning, of course, across utilities, but uh, when we talk about utility planning, typically in a process that we call integrated resource planning or IRP, integrated resource plans happened by state statutes, like 38 or ish states that have a state statute that require investor-owned utilities, so the big utilities in each state, to go through this IRP planning process. And typically it's like 20 or 30 year long plan. And it's a plan for the whole shebang. It's for your generation, your transmission, distribution, all of the investments across the utilities electric system. Um, and then typically there's built in a schedule, you know, to be three, five, some do it every two years. They update the plan. So it's basically, it's this huge plan that looks at supply generation, all of it, consumption, demand over a very long period. And that is important to residents because that results in, you know, rates, the rates that you pay, the programs that are offered to you, the infrastructure investments that come to your community. You know, if you don't have transmission lines in your community, you're not going to be able to attract uh, industrial commercial businesses you know people don't typically it's like you don't you don't move where you don't have roads you don't move where you don't have power type of thing not as much of an issue today because of electrification having gone so far but those investments that come out of the IRP are really important to everybody that's served by the utility that does that process who are the key people and organizations businesses agencies um, that determine the outcome of utility planning how does the how does it work Great question. So IRP that happens at the state level typically happens with a state public service commission. And in Florida, it's, it's that way as well. Um, some public uh, local power uh, companies do their own utility planning as well. That is increasingly more common. But IRP um, at the state level has been happening across the country since the 80s, 1980s. And uh, it happens, so the, the way that it works is a, the utility company, <clears throat> the investor-owned utility, so we're talking private business utility, not publicly owned or public, public um, you know, like municipal, like publicly owned utility. We're talking about investor-owned. <clears throat> They'll file their plan at the commission. And so the commission, depending on the state statute, will review that plan to see whether the investments are prudent and the state statute will have you know different criteria as an economic 
Is it taking into account public interest, some, some component of that? And then there's all these rules that the commission will, that, that, that helps the commission and in case law that sort of helps them filter through how to interpret that. But then there are also interveners. And so interveners are basically members of the public or, or businesses or, or nonprofits that intervene. So that means they get into that proceeding and they engage at the Public Service Commission to challenge what the utility has filed. And so we have a history at South Face of doing that in Georgia and being very successful. So for example, Florida Power Company submits a plan to the commission and that plan includes building a new coal plant and it includes purchasing zero new solar and it includes assumptions that there's like you know, going to be 10 million residents moving into their territory. Okay, I'm exaggerating. These are things that don't happen really anymore, but they used to. Um, then an inter, a group like South Face uh, or a local, let's say a local government or a city in the state could decide to file, to join that proceeding and challenge their, their the, the, the utility company's position that they need more coal or challenge the utility company's assumptions that they're going to need to sell so much more electricity because of population shifts, or they could challenge the value that the utility has put onto the solar within their plan and force the utility to, in, to purchase more solar. And so we've done that in the past and been successful in Georgia, but that's the kind of, that's kind of how it happens is the utility files a plan, interveners and companies, private sector, NGOs, uh, local governments will intervene, state government will sometimes intervene, other arms of it. And it sort of goes through this like iterative process for a few months, typically. And then the commission will review the plan to make sure that prudent, reasonable, uh, uh, those kinds of uh, those kinds of analyses. And it's somewhat political, let's be let's be honest. And then they'll approve a, a final plan, which will look very different typically from what the utility originally put not very different depends but but it will be different from what the utility originally proposes if, if the process is working yeah because of stakeholder involvement so. because of stakeholder involvement i will tell you you can look at the trajectory in georgia of the change between the initial plan and the final plan for georgia power company and before there were many interveners like south space coming into that process the plan would not change all of the incremental new utility scale solar, you can thank South Face, Folk Solar, and others that that came out of that proceeding and the changes that we advocated for and others, not just South Face, but that's just, it, it, it happens like that in Florida too. So it's really important. And so we, as we talked about last time, we have a new position who's coming into Florida to help intervene in these rate cases. So Florida will now start a history the same way that South Face has in Georgia. Yeah, we so, hope to engage, yeah, for yeah. sure. May IRP or rate cases, we'll see. We will evaluate what opportunities come up. The FICA uh, dockets will be interesting. We'll see though, you know. So integrated resource planning, your IRP, do we, is that a broad general umbrella term? I've heard the term that we, that in Florida, we don't have an IRP, we have a 10 year rate case. Could you clear that up? IRP started originally in the 80s, right? And so when we talk about IRP as a concept, it's the idea that 
rates. So the output is rates, right? The investments that a utility makes need to be based on not just how much they think they can sell, but how much they think they can serve and manage their load, right? And so that's how it sort of first started. First started. And so these rate 10-year rate-making um, process reflects integrated resource planning concepts in that way, right? Um, so the idea, utility planning and integrated resource planning, when it first became kind of like hot, hot topic in the 80s, has evolved in many different states into different ways. Some do 10, some do 20, some do 30. Some commissions apply it differently. Some commissions even apply it differently to different utilities, oddly, within the state. Um, but the concept that supply and demand side resources need to be considered in the making of rates is a re direct result of IRP, like that type of that the, the planning foundational concept. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, so in Florida, um, our listeners would hear the term IRP or 10-year rate case, um, and those would all apply to Florida and to Florida utility planning. Yes, those are both uh, products of your rate case is a is a utility planning process. Sorry if I, I think that's the, what you're yes. asking. Yes. Yes. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Rates. They can't mm -hmm. just. So, yeah, utility can't just come in. Well, let me just say this. It's not always these processes are messy and it's not ever perfect. And like the you know, utilities do have a lot of political capital and ability to get what they want when they, if they are in challenge. Right. So it's not. The importance of it not being a rubber stamp is 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 real, and but the the point of these proceedings is so that we can challenge the rates that utilities uh, put put forward because you know they're especially investor-owned utilities they are accountable to their shareholders of course and I get it that's they they need to be profitable but they're also regulated in the public interest and so that public interest component. And boys, really, that they're regulated in the public interest, and that's why public interest groups and others show up, and the public show up to make sure that that interest is a part of the setting of rates. And planning is in planning is a big part of the work that goes into uh, that advocacy. So we've had two rate hikes very recently um, through FPL in Florida, and from what I read in articles is they would have both been worse if people hadn't intervened on behalf of low and middle income people, residents versus commercial, et cetera. Yeah, I think you might be talking about sort of the natural gas price increase at FPL. Natural gas, this is really interesting actually, is that natural gas, which, you know, we talked about this last time, Florida's a really heavy I was really, I got surprised, but not surprised when I think about the landscape of Florida, but how high your, well, how high the, the share of your electric sector is fueled by natural gas. And the real risk there, and you've just seen it in that rate case, is that natural gas prices have been going down because of fracking and other, well, mainly because of sort of fracking, right? And, and development of pipelines to transport it. Because, I mean, y'all don't make any natural gas, it's all shipped in. Mm -hmm. 
So the prices were going down pretty consistently. But if you were looking historically at the prices of natural gas in 2010 and before, it's always been really volatile, right? Like very volatile pricing. I remember when I worked in the state energy office, I mean, we, it, we, it just changed 2010 to 2020. That last decade, prices went down pretty consistently because of fracking and everybody built all this natural gas thinking, oh, like it's like a gold rush type of thing, right? And so Florida's pretty locked in on natural gas. And this is why you saw this fuelage cost adjustment at Florida Power and Light. Because in, when they were planning in their plans to justify building out that natural gas, they said, we've gone last five years, natural gas has gone down and they just did not plan for that price volatility. And this is a result of that poor planning is that they're trying to hike up rates, right? Successfully they, hike them. Right. Well, at some point they have to, you know, it's a, well, I'm not going to argue for them, but anyways, that's a, that's a, um, that's a result of poor planning. Hello, right there. I mean, you, you can't just assume natural gas is always going to be, you know, the gold rush of natural gas is probably over, but you know. Okay, so as we're talking about utility planning, can you wrap this back to the impact it has on the environment and climate? Yeah, so I'm going to be 100% honest about engaging at public service commission level. So. Uh, the Public Service Commission, utility regulators are not environmental regulators, right? Like that is not typically, that is not, they're not the same thing as like your, your environmental permit office at state government. But environmental issues show up in utility planning in a number of ways. Um, it, and so there's like primary and secondary ways that it touches it. As part of plans that are submitted, especially IRP planning, integrated resource plans, or even any anything where you have like to do a NEPA, National Environmental Policy Act type of assessment, right? There are environmental impact, like you, you have to do an environmental compliance filing, you have to look at environmental impacts in a number of ways alongside uh, expansion plans. So environmental issues show up directly there. Um, the cost of environmental compliance for things like continuing to run a coal plant um, go up because of environmental laws, like if effluent limitations guidelines for water, those were recently updated, NOx and SOx, air restrictions, um, NACs and ozone regulations, all of those environmental rules and policy come into play in utility planning. Because as those rules become more stringent, the cost of operating dirty coal plants or older coal plants and older natural gas plants, the costs go up because of the environmental compliance costs. And that comes up in these types of utility planning proceedings, but also just the impacts to communities in terms of where things get developed, where you site new natural gas, it doesn't tend to be in like the nice part of town, right? Like, all of that are direct impacts to vulnerable communities. And then, of course, climate climate change is impacted directly. The um, electricity sector only just recently became, I think the transportation sector now just touched over, is just slightly over the U.S., across the U.S., more carbon emissions than the electric sector, but that's only just happened. So the electric sector and generation is a significant contributor to climate change. 
And unfortunately, because we don't have as much reg any regulation or Florida doesn't have any state, you know, emissions trading like you do see in the Northeast, all of those environmental costs are sort of external to these processes and they don't fully get uh, put into planning other than like maybe in a little bit of a risk calculation, but that's it, unfortunately, which is really, it's, it's hopefully that will change. But the intervening has really helped the environment and climate by pushing utilities more to solar um, and to renewable energies, correct? They might not have, have pivoted to that so thoroughly without having the interventions. Would you agree with that? 100%. So especially I think in Florida, groups like Sierra Club and others that have intervened on coal, for example, utilities often will try to run their coal plants as long as they can, and they can, they try to get a, a guaranteed rate of return from the, the utility commission. So they'll say, well, we know that these environmental regulations are coming down, but it's not 100% sure yet. We think we can be in compliance. Like, let us run this for a few more years, and then they get the go-ahead. Maybe from the commission, they would get the go-ahead unless there was an intervener to come in and say, no, it's going to cost you this much more because of these environmental regulations around this coal plant. And then, a then that type of back and forth directly impacts like things like retirement of coal plant. Yeah, coal plant for sure. And that's been like, that's been a huge trend in the last decade across, not just in Florida, but um, across the US. Excellent. And so my last question for you is, is there a way for stakeholders to get involved and how? Absolutely. You can contact your, the, the public service commissioners. Um, you can write letters to your city mayors and ask them to get involved in this process. You can join up with uh, South Face and other NGO partners that are engaging, getting engaged on these topics. Um, there's an, an, any number of manner where you can contribute for sure, contribute and support um, the work that we're doing and the work that others are doing. Um, but really actually talking to commissioners and, and sending letters can have an impact as well. Really, uh, you'd be surprised how, how much, how in the dark, uh, some of these commissioners have been operating in. So, uh, <laughs> when the public reaches out, um, they might be kind of surprised, but it, it can have an impact. And is it like other legislative processes where really the public does not engage much? So even if one or two people call, it's a big deal. Yeah, I, I think so. I definitely compared to other, I think more lately, it, there, there's been more light shed on things that happen with utilities and utility regulation, the Public Service Commission, just because climate's become finally sort of, there's like a lot more awareness and interest in it. But I, you know, 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> so yeah, mm -hmm. it, it is. Yes, there's growing awareness and interest and it's, the, the, the trend is that to have shine more light on it, but it's still compared to other areas, like say the legislature. Yeah, there's not as much engagement with officials. So it'd be really nice to get more of that. Well, excellent. Well, now we know that utility planning actually exists and that it's done on a regular basis. Um, oh, yeah. That people are taking an interest in intervening and that our listeners can also participate if that interests them. And it all results in your utility, uh, your utility rates and usually rate hikes. So it's of interest <laughs> to all of us. So thank you, Katie. And thanks for listening to the appeal. To get involved with South Face Sarasota at the Florida House, visit southface.org backslash Sarasota 
And to donate, text SF Sarasota to 44321. Until next time, stay sunny.